0: community
1: inspire radio welcome back listeners 732 here on inspire radio okay listeners we're up to our um our segment where we've got a a great guest lined up and that's mark atkinson and mark former first class cricketer with tasmania had a very very successful career there won a few sheffield shields played in finals and uh had, had a great run so uh welcome to the show mark hi
0: razzio uh, yeah thanks
1: for having me on not a problem so how's things with you at the moment all, all going okay over there in new south wales and sydney yeah things are things are pretty good over here um
0: looking forward to seeing some cricket which which you know one stage of the game we 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 look like we weren't so it's um it's nice to see the cricket season into full swing but yeah things are pretty good over here in sydney mate
1: yeah, yeah. bit bit wet i believe is that is that right
0: uh, about to be, I think. It's been a pretty dry summer, actually, over here as um, as far as it's gone. But I think we're we're, we're headed for some rain. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, um, Felicis, Mark, you you played uh, your first class career. Um, you moved from New South Wales through to Tasmania to uh to to get uh you know a bit bit more of a chance, I guess, in in first class cricket. Um, and that was in the nineties.
0: Yeah, that's right. I, I moved down to Tassie midway through the ninety one. 92 cricket season yeah halfway through, pretty much exactly at the halfway point of the season
1: yeah and and, and you saw some uh, obviously some uh, more opportunities available to you um, to, to break through in a first-class cricket um, I guess the, the New South Wales system a, as it still is a very very strong system and, and a tough one to break through
0: yeah it, it was um, I mean New South Wales had come off through the 80s I think that had predominantly Steve Rixon and Greg Dyer who were both test keepers yeah um, Greg Dyer was left out of the side quite quite dramatically. And then Phil Emery stepped into the side. So that was, um, I think I got included on the into the New South Wales state squad the day Greg got dropped. And, and that would have been all very, you know, the, that week. And, and Phil was in the Sheffield Shield team that week. So yep. it was very much for the, the preference of the time to, to sort of, you know, to sort of look to, you know, the keeper was almost, a, once they were selected with the last players drop. So the keeper was seen as sort of, uh, I, I suppose as far as selection was concerned, a fairly stable component of the side. So Phil's Phil got his chance, and obviously he, he had a really good career. And so there weren't too many chances. So I'd been in the state squad for two or three years, lucky enough to you know get a great grounding in cricket mm-hmm. through the grade system over here and through state Colts and state second 11. Um, but um, Phil was looking pretty solidly entrenched at a time that I was doing quite well with the bat in grade cricket. So uh, Tassie was really the only opportunity. Western Australia had Tim Zurin who was a fantastic player. New South Wales had Phil. Darren Berry was in Victoria, who was also a fantastic player. Uh, Queensland had Peter Anderson, who was really highly regarded as a wicketkeeper. And Tim Nielsen, I think, had just been on the Australia, Australian... A or a, yeah. whatever Australian eleven tour to Zimbabwe, so Tassie was about the only chances I saw, and Joe Hollyman was down there. They had they had a few. Um, they had Richard Sewell, who was a very good keeper. Timmy yeah, Coyle, I'd gone on to bit yet. Yeah, be a successful coach, and Joe Hollyman had just broken a world record, so there weren't too many too many opportunities. But I decided to sort of um, Tassie was probably the most um, likely of of those available, so mm-hmm. I, I decided to go down there and. Uh, yeah, it was fortunate enough to sort of work my way into the team pretty quickly.
1: So as a reasonably young man, was that a, a tough decision like to leave your family and friends and sort of pack up and move to Tassie?
0: Well, yeah, I didn't really think about it too much because it's all I really wanted to do, you know, was to try and, you know, take my cricket as far as I could. And the way I saw it, I had to, you know, be playing in Sheffield Shield cricket sooner rather than later. I think I was 22 or 23 at the time. And, yep. uh, you know, I, I thought the time was right to strike. And uh, so, yeah, and I was quite frustrated. So it was sort of, um, you know, being behind Phil, you know. there's yep. no, As I said, he had a fantastic career so they, and, and did well for New South Wales. So there was no, you know, there was no problem. There just wasn't the opportunity for yep. what I wanted to do. So, in fact, Tazzy, Steve Rickson, who was a great helper in my career and a fantastic wiggle keeper and coach, he, um, he'd he run Tassie twice on my behalf. And they told him... They t- he read Greg Shippard, uh, who he'd he gone away with and obviously played against. Yep. he got away with in the tour, And basically they said, look, don't come down. We're right. So um, <laughs> they said, don't come down twice. So I didn't take no for an answer. So the third time I just decided I'll just go down there and, and try my luck. I made a couple of hundreds as soon as I went down there pretty much and ended up in the side. So, yeah, it worked <laughs> out pretty well.
1: Yeah. There's nothing like beating the door down, is there, even if the door is uh, <laughs> bolted? Um, well,
0: but- I suppose the answer is don't take – you know, don't take no for an answer and, you know, for anyone sort of wanting to do it, I, I suppose, I, you know, and it's a bit different to now, mate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was less pathways. Grade cricket was very much the the system you yeah. had to get through mm-hmm. um, to, to, to to gain selection at the, the first class level. So, yeah. you know, I just sort of thought, uh, you know, if I could get down there and perform in grade cricket, I'd be a chance. So yeah. you know, it worked out
1: and as a keeper i guess um you know your, your glove work and, and and you know how many catches you take behind the stumps i mean that's that's one thing um but but everyone wants to see a keeper make runs aren't they and, and that, that's probably the only way you're really going to make noise because um there, there, there's an old saying in cricket you know if, if the keeper does well actually you don't you don't talk about the keeper so the noise you've got to make i guess is with the bat which you obviously did when you went moved down there
0: yeah that's exactly right i mean um when I was in Sydney, I mean, it wasn't uncommon in teams to have specialist um, wicket keepers. So often in grade cricket, and we're talking the sort of mid to late 80s in first grade, they'd often they'd often have specialist wicket keepers. And I don't know about what was happening around Australia, but I'm sure that was quite. I'm sure that would have been common. Like the wicket yeah. was just a specialist position, and it, it wasn't really, you know, you know, until sort of relatively recent times that that, you know. I suppose firstly through Ian Healy, you know Rod Marsh was was a good batter, but then sort of Ian Healy and you know and and later and to another completely another level, Adam Gilchrist really <laughs> yep. reset the expectations of what what the keepers are, are required to, mm. you know what's required of a keeper. So yeah, but it, but you're you're right, mate. They don't notice you on your keeping, and it's it's your batting that will draw attention to your keeping.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a shame because, like you Sadly, said, it is yeah. a, it is a specialist position, and um. There's a there's an artistry, isn't there really? I mean I'm talking to a you know you, you, you love your keeping you' you're a real preacher of the keeping game and um, there's a real artistry with, with a really good gloveman you know to, you know to be able to um, you know stand up to the stumps to even some of the the quicker bowlers and and you know the leg side take is you know that's the nirvana of uh, keeping, isn't it the leg side take off the medium pacer. Um, well,
0: particularly sort of being born and raised in Sydney, you know, with Coopers like Steve Rickson around, you know... Um scooping uh, over the stumps was always thought to be, you know, really the, the what, what sort of defined uh, defined the the ability of a wicketkeeper, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that's entirely true, because I believe, you know, standing back, particularly at the professional level, when you know 90, 85 to 90% of your day potentially is is stood back. So I think there is that's really obviously a really important role, and there's a skill to that, but. Um, that was certainly seen as the case, and I suppose you know, born and raised in Sydney, that you're up over the stumps all the time with spin bowlers and medium paces, and, and and so it's certainly a good uh, grounding for that. That that's part of your keeping, yeah.
1: Definitely, yep. Now, um, the, the era that you you played in, you're you're lucky because um, and, and l- lucky, I mean, to to be around with so many great players. I mean, Sheffield Shield cricket at that time was. Was so strong um, with so many good players and a lot of players that that just couldn't couldn't knock on the next door to play for Australia. So Sheffield Shield was was all they had. Um, what what are your memories of that sort of time? I mean, it's a bit of a you know a bit of a glory period of Australian cricket, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, look, it was it was extremely strong. I mean, look, I could rattle off a number of batsmen who you know if you sort of even took a passing interest in cricket at the time, you'd, you know the names would be familiar. But there were so many terrific batsmen who, you know, might have not played test match cricket or just had a little taste of it who were just absolute run machines. And, you know, the the wicket I played on, we played on down at Bell River was pretty flat. So, you know, (laughs) it wasn't uncommon for, you know, the really, you know, the, the Langers, the Martins, the... You know, the Dean Jones, the love, the law, yeah. you know, Siddons, the Fellas liked And there's more. There's many more, you know. That I've just
1: that's just phenomenal. a cavalcade you know, of the, batsmen it, who just used to fill their boots, I guess, and they came the uh, Bell Roof. Oh,
0: that's right. They, You know, they'd almost be scoring. You know, if they didn't score 200, two centuries against you out of their four rings, <laughs> they'd almost had a bad year. So my memories of it are basically fielding. Um, <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, look, it, it was it was a very strong era of cricket. And you certainly had to... You know, like you had to earn earn your wins and earn your performances, and you know it was sort of um, yeah. Look, it was a great time to play. I certainly enjoyed it.
1: And um, in in those days, it was uh, semi professional. Um, now you, you you had a you've had a um, you know a bit, a bit to do with the professional game now as a coach, but in the semi professional era, what what are the differences you saw then to to what the uh, you know, your, your Marcus Harris's and your Ashton Turners are, are living today. What, what do you reckon the main differences are?
0: Uh, well, we certainly trained hard, particularly at the skills side of the game. You yep. know, under Greg Shippard, who's, you know, coached Tassie for all of my time there and has now gone on to become one of the um, most long-serving and successful coaches in Australia. We um, we certainly trained hard at the skills. Probably the fitness is is different, you know. Um anyone who's ever done the beep test. You know, we used to have fast bowlers. They were lucky to get to 10 or 11 on the beep test. And, you know, so certainly the fitness has improved right across the board, and and so too so to the fielding. A lot of the fellas, um, including myself from time to time, had jobs or went to England to play. Yeah. So definitely, you know, the guys sort of working full-time, you know, Jamie Cox and Dean Hills, who, was a terrific, who were a terrific opening partnership. They used to work in the bank down in Tassie. And, you know, so a lot of the guys had jobs and work. So probably the difference would be the... the that, that's probably the main difference, the guys were holding down jobs. In terms of the actual cricket, um, there certainly were... You know, it was very much the captain run the team and the coach sort of looked after the preparation. There wasn't a lot of uh, – it was very much a player-centred um, um, model, I guess, yeah. and that you had to sort of work out what you needed to do to be there and, and to go and do the work to do that, which I think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Not to say that, you know, I certainly could have or uh, other people might have benefited from, you know, a more, you know, intensive coaching environment. I, I, I don't really have a comparison, so it's hard – it's, it's difficult to say. I mean, one of the major differences, I think, and, and which I think was a great facet of my career, like if I was playing New South Wales, we played at the SCG. If we were playing at Perth, we played at the Wacker, We played Queensland at the Gabba. We played on Adelaide Oval and the MCG. We G we're very, very rarely, if ever, did we play, not play on those grounds, so and they were all had their own unique characteristics, yeah, and it was a great grounding to learn learn to play under different conditions and I think um, maybe the players miss out on that, and it was very also I suppose the season scheduling it was very much you know a concentrated Sheffield chill season where that was the focus of the cricket as opposed to the massive interruption we've got in the middle of the season now with the Big Bash.
1: Yeah. So you um, used to play, for, for those listeners that probably aren't aware, it used to be Sheffield Shield game, and then you normally play your one day in, in whatever form it was, be it you know, Mercantile Mutual or Ford Ranger Cup or whatever. So if you were travelling to WA as a Tassie team, you'd play your four-day game and then your one-day game afterwards, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, that's right. Or Sometimes it would just be a one-off game, but most of the times, you know, if it was a longer... A longer, probably financially based, but yeah. a, a longer trip like that, you, you would do that. But oh, I think when I started, there, was, there were two games. You played two one-day games and it sort of progressed to five. So you played all the other states, maybe six when the AC2 were in the competition briefly. But uh, it wasn't a massive schedule. I think when I finished, they went to 10 yeah. and now that's become a, a tournament. So that's the one-day game has sort of, I suppose, risen in popularity and as 2020. Emerged. It's it's seemed to it was it's taken a bit more of a backseat to what it once once did.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I geez, I'm my age. I do remember growing up to the uh, the old McDonald's cup and stuff like that. That used to be a used to be quite exciting. We used to get to see some um some of the the state players that we we didn't really know much about, but they were starting to become household names. Um, and and it was it was always fun, you know, seeing the, the coloured clothes and these these guys that you really didn't know, but you knew them just from playing. You know, one-day cricket was just still pretty new, it was still pretty fresh, and um, it was quite exciting in those days.
0: That's right. Ron. I think, uh, you know, uh, I don't have paid TV for sports. I'm a bit. I think I, uh, I don't quite. You know, I don't think it's a great thing that the the cricket's so hard to find on free to air, free to air television. You know, in comparison to when you know, we were growing up, you could always find that those domestic games, the international games, there's always a full schedule of cricket, and yep. you know, you talked about that era of the 90s being a strong era for Australian cricket, and I think you get little argument from most from people who, you know, who sort of are students of the game, or have followed the game, mm. but you know, that era of, of fellows who grew up in the 90s come off the back of watching World Series cricket, of watch, of having cricket televised and having cricket relative, relative, um, readily available as the yeah. national sport to consume on television. And it's, you know, I don't think it's to cricket's advantage that it's at times really hard to find on the television.
1: Yeah, no no, no doubt. That, which is a great little segue into your thoughts on the uh, the modern game. I know we've had some, some discussions off air, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. With with the with the modern game, I mean, like you just said, I mean uh, the white the white ball series. If you don't have pay TV, be it Foxtel or Ko, um, you wouldn't have known that there was international cricket play between Australia and India, two of the you know the two big juggernauts of a, of world cricket, um, was played to a very limited audience. Well, in Australia anyway.
0: Yeah, obviously there's massive money in the game now, and and a lot of that comes from television, and I suppose they they, they generate that through their advertising, but I. I you know, increasing as times progressed and, and television's played a bigger role in it, and the money has come into it. I mean, you know, I think the wick, the cricket wickets for Test match cricket in Australia are quite boring now. They're, they're often they're often quite flat. The last sort of interesting, really interesting Test wicket I thought was the the one in Perth at the new stadium where Australia beat India yep. under Tim Tim Payne's captaincy when, you know, there was a real test of the the skill of the batsman on a on a fast bowler friendly wicket. So I I think some of the. um, it seems like it's more important than the game goes five days than, than to create a, A you know, a time to contest between bat and ball. And so too, in the shorter forms, there's some, you know, it's, you know, I mean, it's just so far in favor of the bat. Yeah. Um, You know, you sort of, there was a bit of talk about Glenn Maxwell's reverse hit, or I don't know what it's actually called, but, you know, I mean, if, if there's a, the wickets offered a bit more for the bowlers. I mean, that's going to make that shot a lot more difficult. I just think it's it's very one-sided in terms of what's required to pay the bills for television yeah. at, at the moment. And so, you know, I think to that extent, we do miss out on some of that contest between bat and ball, which I think is a shame.
1: Yeah, and in the modern, uh, well, the very, very modern, i.e. Um, post-COVID uh, season of cricket, where the bowlers can't actually work on the ball, um, not much has been spoken about that, but I actually think, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of runs that have been scored and a lot of cricket around the place and it, it has to have something to do with it. Like the, the bowlers, not only are they playing on flutter wickets, but they can't even shine the ball. So um, it's like playing with a tennis ball. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I mean, some of the, uh, yeah, it's it's sort of, I suppose it tends to go like baseball. Not, you know, I mean, some of the hitting, just to sort of balance it, some of the hitting is absolutely amazing. Some of yeah. the fielding's amazing. You know, obviously it's brought about a new range of skills for the bowlers, which they're very good at. But, um, yeah, you know, um,
1: the margin for error is tiny, isn't it, as a bowler?
0: Yeah, which you know, I, I just think it always makes for an interesting game of cricket um, when. You know the the, the,
1: you, you, the wickets offer something for the bowlers. Yeah. You know? So mm. yeah, and um, big bash cricket. So with the this year's uh, a few different changes that have been made with the the X factor, um, the power surge, um, the the extra point. If you want to have a crack at the the score and get half the score within ten overs, what are you, what are your thoughts on that this year?
0: Mate, you have to go to the next question. I, I don't know what they are. I know there are some real changes, and I turned. I went to look at the TV to have a look yesterday, and it wasn't on television, you know. So yeah. I, uh, I, I look. I don't pay for the. I've got. I don't pay for the sport on Foxtel, so yeah. Um, I I don't really know what they are. Inevitably, with the big bash, I start watching it and watch a bit more at the start. There's just so many games, it sort of gets a bit. Over overexposed for mine, yeah. Um and it it loses a bit of a, a bit of interest. But I wouldn't know what the rules are. I saw someone comment the other day that about the sub player rule, whatever that's called. Yeah, but, um,
1: that's that's I mean, the X wouldn't, factor wouldn't,
0: player. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you have a, that player in the team if he was so good that he'd make an impact? So <laughs> yeah, uh, I I don't know how much on that basis. I don't know how much of a bearing that'll have. For
1: well, last night was a perfect example. Um, the Perth scorches didn't have the greatest start to the season against the Renegades. And um, they were five down or four down very, very early in the piece. And as you know, it's very hard to come back from from you know losing so many wickets so early in a T20. So they could have, if they wanted to, um, called in an extra batter to to shore up things and try to get a score on the board. But they're the two mm-hmm. players that – because you can nominate two players in the team sheet that you can pick from, if that makes any sense. And um, – the two players were bowlers. <laughs> so the captain and the, and, and the coach sort of thought, well, if we take, you know, we take a batter out and our bowling, sorry, we take a bowler out, our, our bowling is going to be thinner. So they sort of, and I think this will happen. Most teams will just think, well, the, the, the team that we pick is our best team. And that's, that's what it's going to be.
0: Yeah, you would think so. They, they, you know, which is along the lines of that comment. I saw that comment somewhere, but yeah. Uh... Yeah, oh, well, I'm sure um, it just gets a bit complicated. It does. Complicated, no, no, I, 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 it, I
1: totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. And we're both cricket nuts. So um, if we can't understand it, I'm not sure how anyone else is really going to understand it. But uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll progress on. Um, so I believe the um, like great cricket around the place, from, from what I understand, I know here in WA, it's, it's picked up a little bit in regards to um, popularity. Um, because people haven't had that much cricket to go and watch. So the real cricket people are actually getting back out to to grade cricket and watching a bit of grade cricket. And I know grade cricket's a big sort of um, passion of yours as well. What are are your thoughts on that? Well, certainly
0: in Sydney, which, I mean, mean, obviously, I think New South Wales is one of the most Sheffield Shields, and it's a a pretty strong cricket state. Um, So, you know, grade cricket is... um, you know, a big part of that, and it always has been, along with the country cricket over here, because it's a big. Uh, I'm a city boy, but there's a big country presence in, and a history of uh, country players, you know, representing New South Wales in Australia here. But yeah. great cricket is is alive and well. I do coaching at a couple of clubs. I've got coaching roles at a couple of clubs, which I enjoy, and they're you know, there's just there's lots of players. You know, there's plenty of players. There's plenty of players wanting to play, and it's. Um, yeah, it, it is it is alive and well here, you know. So there's always you know more than enough players. Often over here, for example, some clubs, you know, they have their five grades, and then there's a, which is you know you probably need more than clearly more than 55 people. So some teams run sixth grade and a seventh grade team, so they have no problems filling the numbers. I'm not sure if the standards increase, but there's certainly an appetite um, for people to get involved and play. And play great cricket. Yeah, what what's changed is probably younger than what it once was. Uh, again, a lot of the pathway systems of the, you know, for anyone who follows follows the structure of cricket and you know high performance structures, a lot of the pathways you know not so much recently, but you know certainly prior to that, they, they all seem to have disincentivised the older players to stick around and 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 play play great cricket. But it's certainly alive and well in terms of people wanting to play and get involved in great
1: cricket. Yeah, which is, which is good. I mean, at uh, the end of the day, it's still an, a, a crucial part of Australian cricket and the, the pathway, really. Um, so, so, you know, seeing great cricket really uh, sort of step up and, and sort of come out, out of the, uh, the, the post-COVID era is, is a good thing. Um, uh, coverage helps. So a lot of um, – I know a lot of the associations around in every state – provide coverage so so you can you can watch um and you can yeah, see yeah, it online yes
0: you can yeah which is good um yeah you can you can you can follow a lot of the games um and you know a lot of the a lot of them and they're mostly older older blokes my age or older you know a lot a lot of the sort of former cricketers that I stay in touch with and speak to you know overwhelmingly they they really want to see you know grade cricket ret- return to its status as as you know the the system that, that produces, that produces the, um, you know, our first class and test players, because that's, that's traditionally been to traditionally been the strength, you know, so rather than a sort of a pathway model or a coaching based model, you know, I think if you, if your systems are strong, um, the rest of the stuff takes care of itself. So um, a, a lot of the sort of former cricketers that I would speak to and, and, you know, people involved who watch the game really want to see grade cricket ret- return to that status. That if you're performing in first grade, you know that's recognised and and that's your pathway to the selection to the next level, rather than uh, a more, uh, you know, and to, to what extent more I don't know, but a more talent identify, uh, uh, talent yeah. identification and pathway style model.
1: Yeah, and and I think we might see that because um. You know, the financial difficulties of COVID have, have caused, you know, some of these pathway programs to sort of fall away a little bit and all that sort of stuff. So um, we may see great cricket return back to uh, its heyday and, and, and become the, you know, the, the pinnacle of, of, of um, community cricket, because that's what it is. It's, it's a pinnacle of community cricket that it is and provide the, um, the, the platform, I guess, for, for players to shine and, and, and move into higher ranks, which would be great. Um, yeah,
0: and, and and you're right. It is it is a community based um, organisation. One of the clubs I'm involved with, Western Suburbs. You know, it's it, it's uh, really you know quite a a more a, a racially diverse area. And, and there's a lot of lot of the young fellas at the club from Asian backgrounds, Indian, Pakistani. So it's it's really it's it does really engage. You know. Um, yeah engage different people different groups across the community in a way in a really nice way so it is it is an important yep. um you know part of the fabric of the sporting community
1: definitely definitely and and, and long may it continue um now, yeah, Ma- now mark to uh to conclude our, our chat together i mean we could go on forever but i mean uh, it is a three-hour time difference so you've probably got a sunday planned <laughs> to to do other things um i'll finish with um speed round uh, with every, all, all my guests. So basically, it's five quick questions that you've got to answer as quick as you can. Okay. Okay. So question number one, most famous person you've met. You can't say me. Oh,
0: <laughs> can't say. Oh, okay. <laughs> there might be speed questions, speed answers. The most famous person I've met. Um, uh, I suppose Sachin Tendulkar. There you go. I've played against him, so I'm okay. Well, that's
1: that's a handy one. That's a handy one. There'd be over a billion. Well made, yeah. Yeah, there'd be over a billion people in India that'd <laughs> love that opportunity. Um, your favourite sporting moment? You've had a few. <laughs> uh,
0: oh, oh, mate, oh, you put me on the spot there. Some big. I'll give. I'll give you uh, Australia winning the Americas Cup nineteen eighty three. That was out of nowhere. I remember that
1: one. Yeah. Okay. That, that's that's a that's a big one that um, you've lived on both sides of the of the nation, so east coast or west coast?
0: Uh, sorry about this,
1: east. I'm, I'm from here. <laughs> um, a diving catch or a stumping? <laughs> <laughs> you can't. <laughs> okay, we'll go We'll go with both. It's a nil-all draw there. You've, you've got a bit of a soccer background as well. Um, and finally, pineapple on pizza, yes or no?
0: Yes.
1: Yes, see, there you go. So I, I, I say this all the time, but it's obviously a bit of a – a talking point with a lot of people. People are like, uh, oh, pineapple and pizza, no way, no, no. Every single person I've asked has said yes. So I don't know whether it's yeah. just a, a fashion statement where people say um, they don't like it, but the, in, deep down, they all do like it. So, hey.
0: It's got a place in the hamburger as well at the old-fashioned corner shop.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. old school. That's showing your age there. Yeah. And the egg, yeah. <laughs> with, <laughs> with the beetroot as well. And the beetroot egg, pineapple, hamburger with a lot. That's right. <laughs> old school fish and chip shop, hamburger with a lot. Okay, Mark, look, it's been awesome speaking to you today. Uh, thanks, right. thanks thanks for um, making your time today. And um, okay. good luck. All
0: right, nice okay. to speak with you, mate. Thank thanks you. a lot.
1: Bye. Okay, so that was Mark Atkinson, former first-class player for Tasmania. Um, we could keep it better. Okay, it is now 8.01, and we'll go to a little bit of Lynette Skinner, Sweet Home, Alabama.
0: For the community, Inspire Radio.